High Nights! Well met and welcome, you travelers, to High Nights. My name is Ross, your resident game master, and I am joined by Takoda, my best friend and player main. Together we strive to improve your tabletop experience with fresh new ideas and plenty of crazy details. To raise more banners in the High Knight's name, remember to subscribe and follow us on your podcasting platform. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon platforms. You can also visit us at highknightspodcast.com. That's Knights with a K. Wherever you find us, let's muster some more fans for the cause. Thanks again for listening, and now here's what you've all been waiting for. Have you ever been on the edge of your seat because you are at two out of three death saving throws about to fail? Have you ever come so close to within an inch of your life you are invested that much into your game just because you are about to expire? You as the player are fighting for your life actively. It's kind of like an overwhelming sensation but also a deadening sensation because you're stuck there rolling death saving throws but all this action is happening around you. You're really looking to the rest of your party members going, what do we do? Save me! What's going on? Welcome back to High Nights, and today we're going to talk about death in tabletop. Yeah, I wanted to explore the idea of uh, consequences too, and how, as a DM, do you, how many chances do you give somebody to stop doing something dumb that results in the death? I can definitely say that uh, the way that 5th edition runs and how most games generally go is that you go by rule of three. So your player drops down to zero hit points, like characters just unconscious. They're in a dying state and that's why we have depth saving throws. It's like three chances to try and get back on your feet or to get out of that situation. But you could die from other circumstances, for example, petrification or something else. For you, Cody, I want to bring up uh, one of the lasting encounters you and I had while playing a game together. Do you remember what was happening to uh, Kazador, your dwarf companion, who oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was trying to steal yeah, an yeah. axe from an ice giant, but the frost flames started to creep up his body and solidify him. <laughs> yeah, he was freezing to death. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the one time you and me know recently where a character came close to death, and as the dungeon master for that game, I just want you to know, I was just gonna give that player a few chances. I was gonna give him like three saving throws to try and get his ass out of this predicament because he was dumb enough to go and try and steal a legendary item yeah. from one of the big bad guys of the game. <laughs> Dude, and he was he was pretty much done. We, it was hard to transport the body and if we touched him we got hurt. Yeah, he, he got lucky. You know, what was lucky, <laughs> yes, it was all of you and your other friend's efforts to he try and save the dwarf. You scooped him into a bag dwarf. of holding. He was frozen, so he didn't need to breathe. Right. And then we, we transported him out of there. And you guys came from an area where you had a portal to a place where there was a fire dragon, a legendary fire dragon. You made a deal with this dragon to thaw the frozen dwarf. I swindled him, too. You yeah. swindled him out of it, too. So Dude, I scammed a dragon, saved an or a, a player in that game. Yeah, you saved Fought your friend. a lich. That was an epic campaign. I think it was pretty fun. I think we ended on a great note. And I just wanted to say that uh, I appreciate you for putting that much effort into it. But I'm at the same time, so hard, dude. I was trying to kill him, okay? <laughs> the way I see it is that uh, that dwarf Kazador, he was fun and charming, but he was 
is also really gullible and easy I, to trick. I into talked him into doing the bad thing, not knowing the repercussions, but I knew I wasn't going to do it. You were so risking I felt, your neck. I felt obligated to save him. As a party I was like, member, yeah. Die. <laughs> I told him to pick it up. Uh, side note, literally the next campaign, or the next chapter of that campaign, I also convinced him to drink a black liquid. <laughs> and that almost killed him too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he okay. listen to me. Bro, you're the instigator, but at the same time, he wouldn't stop listening to you. <laughs> I know. And also, I tried really hard to save him every time, so maybe that's why he listened to me. Right, right. <laughs> oh man. Wow, that was quite the roller coaster of emotions. I think we had a really good ending to that game, but what matters still is the meter between the dungeon master and the players. When does the player actually die? What course of events unfold that make you say, okay, this player's no longer with us. I want to kind of categorize this into a few different phylums because I've played as a game master for many years and I've had players die for multiple different reasons. Category number one, dumbass. Yep. <laughs> this is where uh, the player will actively make a decision against the party's interests. It's like a derailing action in the sense of wanting to split off on their own from the party to gain all the fame and fortune for themselves. Uh, to be punitive against them as, a, as the game master, you usually throw a monster in front of them or a certain situation that they're not able to handle alone. And then if they keep pressing forwards, they end up taking themselves out. So dumbass is possibility number one. Number two is like extenuating circumstances. I've had one game happen before where my players were delving into the bottom of a volcano and they were trying to unearth like a sword. They were trying to get a god slaying sword so that they could arise from the volcano and then defeat this evil god that was coming out from uh, the bowels of the netherverse. They needed this lava sword to do it. When they took the sword out, it triggered an eruption so there's lava flowing up all around them. But one player is just like, I'm just gonna jump over the lava rocks to make it to the exit we came like through. Like a cartoon? Like a cartoon. Yeah. So the problem there is that the player still had an okay idea, but even though they failed the roll to jump, you fall directly into yeah. lava. You're gonna How die. How do you save that? Yeah. How do you save that? Yeah, there's some stuff that happens in games that you literally can't explain, you know? Yeah, and those are fair. I mean, that, that happens. They're fair. I think that there's just a, as a player, especially as a new player to a tabletop gaming experience, uh, you're going to have your first character death, and it's going to change and shape you in certain ways that you don't know. But at the same time, you have to be willing to let go. It's yeah. just a game. Well, and with a situation like that, that was just incredibly unlucky, and maybe not another way out of that situation, you could throw them a bone too and give them a way to revive that player. There already are ways to do that in the game anyway. Right, yeah. Um, and that... I wouldn't do, I, I don't do that often. I just think that would be fair in a situation that completely out of their control. Like yeah. maybe even another party member's actions cause somebody else's death. I feel like that huh. might roll on dumbass, but. Well, uh, that depends on uh, the conviction of the party to bring back this person. Yeah. Did they have a strong enough bond? Because in regular D&D 5th edition, you do have Revivify and other life-giving spells. You can actually, in the rules, you can go to a church and just be like, hey priest, can you bring this guy back? And you just bring the body along. It's gonna cost you 5,000 gold at least because you're resurrecting someone using a diamond. That's part of the component to Revivify. So 
Character death is not always the end, but I still think that it is a fulfilling end depending on the context. There's been many games where I've played as a player and we've gotten to the final chapter and one of my favorite things to do with my fighter is that I stand in between the big bad and the rest of my friends and I go, Go on without me! I'll hold them off here! <laughs> and it's like the coolest way to sign off my character because then Pyrrhos the Myrmidon, it was the name of my spear fighting yeah. fighter, he's just fighting against the bad guy left and right, all these cronies enfolding in on you. You know that you're going down, but you're buying time for the rest of your friends to escape, and that's just an exhilarating experience. Yeah, it makes the, the character's arc feel better. That's what I was gonna do with Scar in that campaign too. Yeah. As long as you're willing to give it, uh, you're like you're gonna sacrifice the character. I think you can craft a narrative around it as a player to make it a lot better too. Yes. Like I was just gonna nuke myself and turn everybody to stone except my party members. <laughs> Fuck it, dude. Oh yeah, death is not the end. If anything, if you come to a death circumstance with your character, you should embrace it and start to realize, okay, these are my final moments. Me, as a game master, I like to go to my players and I'm just like, okay, uh, the light's fading from your eyes, you're not feeling fit, you're not going to make it out of this. Do you have any last wishes, any last words or actions? Yeah. And I've seen people do heroic stuff, like take the key MacGuffin that they were fighting for and shoot it on a crossbow to get it away from the bad guy's clutches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you could just do cool stuff like that, or you could get out like one quippy one-liner. Yeah, uh, just one a one-liner. Well, and <laughs> also it could be, it's super cool because you're going to create a new character. I know that I just stuttered a ton in that sentence. You're good. So, editing. <laughs> All right, so you could get a new character and intertwine it with your last character if you wanted, if it, as long as it makes sense. Like I almost had my character die in our campaign. We're currently in Natasi, and I, I thought he was done, dude. So I was already planning in my backstory. My brother, <laughs> my twin brother, in my backstory was a really big deal, and we're actually on a quest to find him right now. I was just gonna pick up the brother, man. Like, <laughs> if Natasi died, I guess I'm his brother now. That's a really good idea. You're you know? like, oh no, my twin brother. Now, and it'd just be funny because it's canon, like it's acknowledged that this is already a thing. And now Nadari, who looks just like Natasi, <laughs> completely different class walks in though. You know? It's like nothing ever changed. Everyone's you, just gonna accept it instantly. You can have fun with your. Uh, your character death in your new character. Right, that's an easy cop-out. I've said, um, there's a friend in one of my current games and he's playing a dragon board named Yaroslav, son of Yaroslav. So basically the father and son keep naming themselves the same thing and they have sex all the time so they have <laughs> lots of heirs and it's just yeah. like, oh, my brother Yaroslav, son of Yaroslav. They're, it's just the whole family line of Dragonborn named Yaroslav. Yeah. So you always have a character to fall back on. Did, why not? dude Why i've not? seen a lot of people when they create characters for DD, they have a lineage with their past characters oh yeah like my great grandpa rogar and he was <laughs> the last character in the last great campaign it's boring but in the best way it's still fun i think it's still fun it's like it doesn't have to be but, boring and it gives you as the player an attachment to your character immediately because you're generating a lot of strong feelings you had with your last character into this one as well Right. I would say um, it's not boring. It's just an easy choice if you want to get back into the game with as little fuss as possible. Yeah. Like, Nothing uh, wrong with simple. It, you know, if you have a really young player at the table, like someone who's 12 to 14 years old, you might just say, oh, you're uh, your elf ranger. Just put Junior in front of his name and then bring him to combat next there you time. Go. You know, yeah. That's just an easy fix. But you can have some compelling stories that are enraptured with life and death. 
uh, about death in games. So we know that there's this uh, three saving throws rule for death, yeah. right? I just want you to know that I have a lot of experience actually changing how death works in a tabletop game. Well, I think it. I think it's so. Sometimes boring. it just doesn't make sense, though. Like you said, falling into lava. Yeah. That's not gonna get saving throws necessarily. <laughs> you know. No, you like, just die. Yeah. <laughs> like there's just no way around it. <laughs> right. Uh, so the regular mechanic is that you fall to zero hit points, and then you're just sitting there. You don't do anything on your turn. Don't you think that's so boring as a player where you're just, okay, I roll a saving throw. I failed. I guess I do nothing past turn. Like, that's so unengaging. You get nothing to do, right? Yeah. I, I just, guess it's supposed to be somebody bleeding out, maybe? Gasping yes. for life? Yes. It's supposed to be something to that effect, but I think that it's kind of robbing from the game because that player who's fallen unconscious... They, that's what it says in the player's handbook is that they're unconscious. They don't even get to have any fun commentary or moments like that. I think that uh, there's so much that's left out of your experience in the game time because the combat's still rolling around you and you're just rolling, saving throw, and passing turn. Everyone else gets to spend five minutes on their turn having fun and you're just stuck there because, oh no, I got taken out of the game. Like, death by mechanic is not fun but we have to find ways to improve upon it to make yeah. death more interesting and riveting to the experience i will tell you that in one of my games uh i always tell you that i have like a dark souls type game yeah. right yep. so what i've done with that game is that i've taken out the saving throws entirely i've told my people okay when your characters die there's no saving throw if they go to zero hit points whiff you just disappear. You're fucking dead. You're dead instantly. Now, those players can revive themselves, but they lose all of their experience points and, like, possibly some of their cool weapons that they made along the way. So death is still investing for them. Yeah. And they're on their toes because they have to be careful about their life bar total at all times. Yeah. If they take too much damage, then you're just gone. And it also encourages them to use all their resources so that they level up appropriately instead of hoarding all of their mana, which is the experience that I've been giving them this whole time. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. A lot of consequence for playing dumb. That's what I would say. That's yeah. how. That's just how I do it uh, as my own personal style. Whenever I'm playing a tabletop game, I like to get serious. The reason why is because D&D games or any other tabletop game they are commonly a, a laugh box. They're just a joke mobile where everyone goes to the table and they're like, ha ha butt, ha ha dick and poop. And then everyone's just kind of, people just kind of get out of hand. So I make a serious combat intensive experience so that people are hooked and that people are involved in the combat because they can't let their characters die. They have to plan ahead of time and be safe. They have to play evasively so that they don't put themselves in these bad circumstances. I try to be fair about it. How many, let's say uh, a dumb player or a dumbass player does something stupid. Yeah. And it's a repeatable thing. So you can only pull a trick of saving everybody a couple of times, you know. But he does something that, uh, I don't know, like collapses a cave everybody's in. Okay. You know, like that, it's, everybody's basically going to die. But a TPK like that's pretty stupid. Right. So how would you save that as a DM? Okay. That's an interesting uh, <laughs> topic. So we'll say that our problem player creates a situation that would result in a TPK, right? Yep. So to that end, there's a few different ways that you can go about it. Either you have to retroactively change the story so that like only that 
player, the problem player, is taken out. Because this goes against all the other players' actions yeah. and wills. It's not like they have anything they can do to react to this circumstance. So you either change the story and events so that only the problem player is at fault, or you take the story in a whole new direction. Uh, one of my common saves, whatever I pull out of my ass if I'm in a pickle, is that uh, I actually do Journey Through the Underworld. <laughs> oh, so everybody died. Yes. But they're in the underworld. Now. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So that death is just the beginning of your adventure. You know, like, uh, you and I have been talking a lot about God of War yeah. and how Kratos has been able to claw up from Erebos all by himself because he's yeah. too angry to die. You know, if your players... If your players die from an unjust cause like that, what I like to do is that I just teleport everyone to the realm of death, and then I give them the baseline of, you are dead, you have to earn back your soul in some way in order to return to the living. Like, usually there's some sort of god or deity, some sort of entity that's willing to bargain with them, saying, yeah, I saw that rock slide, that wasn't very cool of so-and-so, so uh, you help me out, I'll help you. Gotcha. How long would you let that derail the campaign? Or would you embrace it and put it part of the new campaign? So Because that could easily be an entire <laughs> you know journey in itself. Right, exactly. Uh, since I like death so much, I usually plan out the whole underworld and the death cycle beforehand that's just me uh i had one game where we actually played in uh muspelheim i had this game where all of my players were the remnants of an arc war where all the elves and dwarves in ragnarok were teleporting across the nine realms they actually went to the realm of the giants to fight back against surter and like Njotuns and all that the fun thing is that it's like a post-apocalyptic uh, Norse realm, and I had it in a sandy desert because that's what I depicted Muspelheim to be. My players died in a bandit raid. They just got nixed. And then what I did is that I said, okay, you all wake up in Niflheim. You guys are in a frosty realm. There's snow falling on you, and you're all pale and blue. Then I have them march through the whole underworld to get to Hel, the goddess of yeah. the dead. And then they had to beg her to let them resurrect to to see if their souls could go on if there's a chance for valhalla or not that's what i made them do and that that's was kind of cool. planned ahead of time i thought it was fun because i didn't lose momentum everyone was just like wait what we don't have to make new characters and i'm like yeah you're good dude that could actually be an entire fun campaign in itself like have everybody make their characters and then just kill them immediately <laughs> <laughs> and then that's the the game is in the underworld the rest of, like it takes place in the afterlife oh wow Wow. Or have your enemy do a uh, portable hole in a bag of holding shenanigans so everybody yeah. gets, you know, displaced. And now you have to planeswalk your way back, kind of. Oh, that right. That could be like the entire journey. That could be interesting. Yeah. I think um, for long-running games, like for, for games that have actually gone on for a year or two, if you have a really solid player base and they've been playing continually for a time... I think that you should allow them to split up for separate storylines. If, if half of the party dies and gets sent to the underworld, then you have two separate goals. The dead people trying to get back to the land of the living, and the living people trying to resurrect the dead people. That way, it happens for maybe two to three sessions, and then eventually someone's going to be successful, so you'll reunite the people. Yeah, that'd be super cool, too. That's a good idea. I like that one. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, it's just... There's something that's actually, uh, a, it's an evil favorite of mine, is uh, 
there's something tantalizing about killing a player, okay? I've killed quite a few players, and I've done so in some very unfair ways before because of my hardcore games. I once had a player actually fall for one of my insta-kill traps. Yeah. The insta-kill trap was that uh, they happened upon a withered old man in the underworld. Uh, the context of the game is that they're traveling through the nine rings of hell. And my players go to the third level of hell, gluttony, and they find a withered old man underneath a fruit tree. And he's trying to reach for the fruit. He's trying to grasp at these golden apples, but the boughs and branches go just out of his reach. And he tries to go and drink the water before him. And then the water just shrinks away. It doesn't allow him to drink. Well, one of my players was gullible enough to try and feed this man by giving him a golden apple. And then the man ate the apple, turned into the hidden demon Tizarus, who was like this tortured Greek soul who was very gluttonous in life. He got his full demon form and flew away while that player replaced him on that pedestal. He there. was stuck there and he had the same problem going on. No. <laughs> I've done some mean stuff like that, and it's so friggin' fun when they fall for those traps. Like, <laughs> there's a double thing at play, because I want people to succeed, but also, not all of you can make it out alive. <laughs> there will be deaths. There that's will a, be deaths. <laughs> that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make, Lord Farquaad. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. I look forward to it. In fact, that's why I want to put you guys in such suspense. I want to create encounters where you might not make it out of there. So most people, I suggest, if you have a combat encounter, put it at medium difficulty. Me, I'm always cranking it to hard or extreme. <laughs> yeah, why not, man? People think I uh, overreacted when I was throwing zombies through doorways. You were watching your back. Look, now, man, you I were paranoid. <laughs> you were paranoid in that dungeon where you were playing Scar the Paladin. Yeah. But uh, that's because there was death lurking around yeah. the corners. I had a mini boss stalking the entire dungeon for that campaign. And he was going to spring out from behind nowhere and attack you right after you triggered a trap. Luckily, you guys avoided most of that and managed to beat this mini boss. That guy was nuts. He was <laughs> but, nuts. Yeah. But yeah, I avoided almost all the traps. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost all of them. Look, you can't say the same for uh, some of your gullible companions, but like that's what happens when I said board. I avoided most of the traps, <laughs> and there's a reason. <laughs> Use what you got, man. What I have was a dwarf. <laughs> it's like, at what point do your companion NPCs become fodder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I liked you. You served me well, but it's you or me, buddy. The party's friendly, docile zombie. <laughs> Chuck him into a portal. I throw him down a hallway. Who cares? He didn't die. Again. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't die. Again. Again. Oh, man. But death can be fun. So, like, I know that you've only been a player. Uh, have you ever had any of your characters die? No. I've gotten very close in all of my campaigns. You've gotten close. <laughs> You've not had a true death yet, I not would have yet. to say. No. Oh, that's fun. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've died for some stupid things. I've died for some fairly sad, heroic things. And I've had to kill many players, especially because of stupidity. Did I ever tell you about how a group of people ruined one of my campaigns at the very end? No. So, uh... 
there was this pirate-themed campaign called The Legend of Yorba. The base problem at hand was that there was this cataclysmic maelstrom blowing in. Like, there was an end-world storm that was going to shake all of the islands and plunge any, everyone underneath the sea. The problem at play was that uh, the players who finally got through this whole volcano temple and got to the very top of the world, they found a treasure trove room, and they found out there was a certain tattoo sigil that had to go on your forearm and once you adopted this magic sigil you had to use your sorcery powers to control or guide the storm you became the beacon head like a lightning rod and uh one of the players stepped up and grabbed this sigil right away just going okay check mark let's get this done but after that they got to the treasure room and two players had a disagreement because they both wanted a staff of healing. They really wanted this magic item. But it got out of hand to the point where my players were actively asking me, okay, I attack him. And then I'm like- They wanted a PVP yeah. over it? Yeah, so I had two players PVP over some stupid healing staff at the very end of my game. My predicament at that time was, I was young and inexperienced. I wasn't really sure what I was doing, but who was I to stop them from doing what they wanted, right? Yeah. Well, they were both invested, and they both just said, we go to combat. What happened was that uh, the player who got the tattoo mark died. He got killed in the exchange, and then the second player, the cleric, took the healing staff. Well, everyone goes back to the main story. We kind of brush over the fact that one player died because I'm trying to end the game here. It's the final session. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't expect that to happen. You guys were supposed to have your happily ever after right yeah, now. They're killing so, each other in the last chapter. Yeah, in the very last chapter. They get the treasure, they get the, they fought like the boss and all that. They get to the end of the dungeon, get the sigil, get the treasure, and then they one of them kills each other and it just it threw me for a loop, dude. I'm not trying to have my players have a bad time here, but I lost one. And they go to the precipice, the top of the mountain, and they say, okay, we're gonna stop the storm from coming. And I tell them, sorry, you killed the dude who had the sigil on his arm. He was supposed to be the beacon, but he's dead now. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how to save my story. My players say, well, I cut his arm off. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Did you? Long story short, I let them lop off the arm and then the cleric's own arm and then heal it back so he oh stole God. his friend's arm. And then I let the game end that way. I really think that I shouldn't have in hindsight because I just rewarded a player killer for yeah, doing that and basically player. stealing all of the game at the very end. So, yeah, it was a giant what? what the heck moment. And they knew it was the last campaign. Or arc. It, it was so the last why, session. Why did the staff even matter anymore? <laughs> it didn't. I, <laughs> like... It was just supposed to be there to be cool. But it was back in college. I had yeah. some inexperienced friends, and a lot of them were really driven by this sense of treasure, money, wealth, power. Yeah. You know, it's it's sad when you see good people do bad, evil things like that. You know, but um, that's why that's another time where you should be like, okay, let's reassess the situation. Do I even allow these players to fight right here? Because death is not always the answer, depending on the context. Yeah, yeah. like is PvP even allowed in the game? Oh yeah, okay, so um, PvP, that is actually a really complicated topic. I don't know, do you think that it should be allowed? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I don't think it should be. 
unless it's agreed upon by the people that want to do it. Like, I don't think springing PvP on a, uh, another player without their consent is okay. Right, correct. But, um, there's plenty of other ways why, you know, why not? We go back to these classic problems where you have a problem player who's a rogue and they're just like, I steal everybody's loot in their yeah. sleep. And then when people wake up, they want to go fight them. That's usually the most common predicament. And then for that, player versus player, I agree with you. I don't think that it should be allowed. But I do try to allow arena-type setups. You know how in lots of roleplay games like Skyrim, you could just be like, I go to bar fight. I yeah. just want to tussle with them. I tell players that they can go to like an arena-type setting and have a non-lethal combat. And yeah. then you can even do that to make money on the weekends in, in your game universe. You can just say, oh, I go and star in the arena. I'm a wrestler. I'm a championship boxer. I think that's cool. And I think that players can solve problems if they have a non-lethal combat. Just have them stop fighting around 20% of their health bar so that they can make it through the day, you know? Yeah. Or uh, sparring. Sparring would be cool, too, with Ooh, another player. Sparring would be cool. I, I like this tangent, actually. So, sparring with another player, I think that would be really fun if you had two players actually doing that together, yeah, right? that would be interesting. That would They'd be fun. they get to fight each other. It would be entertaining. Oh, man. So, let's, uh, let's go back to my Viking example where they traveled through the realm of the dead. Well, what if in a previous chapter, you and your friends are in Asgard and you get to train with the Einherjar, like the warrior of the end times and then you get to face off against your other friends or against an NPC like I would probably give you a flight of five fighters and you're like that guy he's going down yeah that'd be cool <laughs> you would do that or you would fight one of your friends just to see who's the bigger guy I would fight all of them oh I know <laughs> and you would win most likely <laughs> it'd be fun though yeah or if you have two brutes in the team you know fun banter on who's stronger <laughs> A sparring match would be cool. Man, oh, I would love Legolas to have... Legolas <laughs> and Gimli, you know, let's see them fight it out. Yeah, there's always got to be like two heavy hitters. Usually they don't have the same class, but I think it would be fun if you had a game with two barbarians. <laughs> you could run them completely differently, but then you could have the barrel-chested match of like the strong men and the stronger men. Yeah. That'd that would be, be super fun. Why not? Death is not always the answer. Uh, there's many different ways to resolve conflict. Sparring is a good example of one. Uh, here's another fun fact, actually. Uh, did you know that when a monster strikes an unconscious player in 5th edition rules, if they're at death saving throws and a monster hits them, they just automatically fail a saving throw, right? Another big facet to being a dungeon master is that you have to decide what monsters are going for the kill and what monsters are willing to spare. I have a whole book about monster tactics and monsters have very different motivations that you as a game master have to think through before you do it. Like, uh, for example, goblins might kill you, but uh, they're more willing to knock you out first and then loot through your pockets before they kill you. So in the heat of combat, they're just looking to eliminate people. They just want them to fall down. If they die while that's ensuing, then sure, that's fine and all. But there are veritable monsters like uh, owl bears and stuff that will straight up maul you. you know? Yeah, you're like, you're done. I've, I've had werewolf attacks and stuff where Monsters with multi-attack are really dangerous early on in the game because a werewolf could just down you and then go swipe, swipe, you roll a failure, you're done. Yeah. It could be really lethal like that early on in the game. That's why I always need marbles on you, man. <laughs> 
Pocket full, pocket sand and marbles. That's pocket how you get out marbles. of those <laughs> situations. I'm holding on for dear life. He's random bullshit. Literally. Go. I get down to a couple health points left. <laughs> I can't get believe him you. Sometimes. Blind him, man. <laughs> I have barely won doing that. So. Yeah, because that that's referencing that first fight where yeah, you fought a werewolf champion, man. <laughs> Made him trip on a bunch of marbles. <laughs> he flips out Scooby-Doo style. He's backpedaling. Whoa! And he falls backwards. It's like, you've just discharged all of the tension and dread yeah, that I've yeah. been building up. You're just, random bullshit, well, go! literally one hit away from killing me, too. So, like, <laughs> random bullshit, go. You have a knack for doing that to my big bad guys. Oh, a lich, I pin him with an immovable rod. And I go, I love Fuck! that. Dude, that was that was my favorite play in all D&D &D so far. Pin him to the floor with a removal <laughs> rod and then do some hacks. <laughs> I got rid of all of his legendary resistance <laughs> on my first play. I hate you. <laughs> I was so ready to go to combat and kill everyone. would have murked us, dude. Dude, this guy had power word kill. Do you realize how much fun that spell is to cast? <laughs> Power word kill. Basically, you... I said, fuck this guy. <laughs> you look at someone. You say, power word kill. Then I say, make a saving throw. Oh, you failed it? <laughs> if you have less than this amount of hit points, you're just dust. You Dude. just get evaporated. <laughs> I was committed not to lose that fight. That was the one I even was going to sacrifice myself in. Yeah, right? Basilisk guys were both going down, buddy. Well, that was basically the end of the game, so you <laughs> picked the right time to make your stand. That was pretty epic. Oh, it was so compelling. Uh, back to death, I would say the rewards for ingenuity, like your clever plays as a player, that's the reason why you keep surviving because yeah. you're smart and you think on your feet. You come up with creative solutions to get out of these messes and then me as the dungeon master, I'm just wowed and I go, I didn't think of that. That was pretty awesome. And so I have to let it go because I really like the way it moves my story along. It's either that or die. Yeah, it's either <laughs> like... that or die. So... So, rule of thumb, having three strikes you're out, that's a pretty good way for you to start off your game. You can definitely branch out from that. If you find that your players are bored sitting at the table because they're just dropping zero hit points, and then they don't die, but they're basically taken out of combat until the very end, I know that that can be uh, really irksome at times. That's why I always change the formula for death in my games, but death should always be lurking around the corner where you least expect it, just kind of playing, tugging at the players ever so much as they continue along in their journey. It has to be a presence that is haunting them, but not something that they just unfairly fall into, you well, know what I'm saying? Yeah, death should be scary. I think a game where death isn't on the line gets bored. Right. Like you should be scared of dying and losing your character. That's kind of the reason we don't have a bunch of murder hobos and dumbass players because you don't want your characters to just die right exactly i think it's way more fun to play smart and keep them alive oh yeah oh man i actually had a different system where uh, <laughs> in one of my very first hardcore games guess what happened when a player drops to zero hit points what happens is that uh, it summons a mini-boss. Uh, I had a game so where... So you have one <laughs> less person to fight and a new mini-boss? Yeah, it was <laughs> stupid. It was very broken and uncool, but my players were scared shitless. It was my classic hardcore game where I had my players traveling through the underworld again. But the caveat was, 
You drop the zero hit points and you're in the realm of death. Guess who shows up to collect your soul? Old Bones McGee with his scythe and his hoodie and he's about to reap your ass. <laughs> Man, that could be a funny story. Imagine that happened. You barely beat your original boss, somebody died. And then a mini boss came. And then you barely beat that one, somebody died. And another <laughs> boss came. Now there's like, what, two people left in the party? You're like, well, I did balance it I a bit. I need to leave. <laughs> the way I had it was that if one player drops to zero, then they start to go into a spectral form. Like you turn into a spirit because you're still in the realm of death. But then. The avatar of death is summoned, and this monster was always scaled to be really tough against the party, just as a standalone. Like, he's just added into combat and makes things worse because he's always going to be a higher skill level than them. Uh, the only way that the players could avoid death and resuscitate their friend would be if they fended off death long enough, so two people have to fight death, and then at least one other person has to do medicine checks to put the soul back in the body. Like, Damn. shove it in there and go back to life, bitch. <laughs> it was crazy because two people were out of combat. One person is down. The other person has to drop everything and try to heal them, yeah. you know. And then everyone else in the party goes, oh, fuck, damage control. So survive until we get him back up. <laughs> survive until yeah. he's back up. So a lot of these players, they weren't burning their favorite abilities out the gate. They were waiting until shit hits the fan, and then we bring out Fireball. Well, and the cool thing with that is you, it gives more, you know those useless spells nobody uses? Yeah. You can use a lot of those now creatively, because in a situation, you're planning for a situation like that where you just have to stall versus just kill everything. Right, exactly. That could, be, that could make unique movesets and uh, spells and stuff, I think. The way that I've seen it is uh, in that circumstance with the spawning mini-boss of death. I had one player creatively go, wind wall, and then they created a box Dude, of wind to protect their that's friends. That's funny. My, my initial thought to this problem was firewall. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to make a ring of fire and protect us for a minute. Same idea, though. Stand in the ring of fire! Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yes. So, so your players can think tactics. around those situations and try to make things better for their, uh, their circumstance. I like it because that way you're not just like, oh, Revivify, they're good now, move yeah, on. It's boring. it's boring that way. Now life is on the line, yeah. and you're still there. As as the spirit guy, you're still there. Like You can do minor actions, but you can't really fight or do yeah. anything. Like You're still in the game, and that's what I liked about it most. Well, you know what would be cool? So in a hardcore game like that, where we're changing the rules for how you die, and everybody knows this, it's a hard game. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if you had like... Oh, you'd have to shoehorn this in somehow, but like different realms or something like we were talking about with the other campaign. Oh, yeah. Maybe has different rules on death. So they have to figure that out and they know they're oh. going to die because the game's hard. So let's say somebody dies and a mini boss is summoned. And like, shit, I guess that's <laughs> what happens here. Right. So now they don't die. But then on a different area, they die and then they have like a ghostly presence and somebody has to actively revive them in combat. Oh! So, and so, then on a different plane, and they don't know any of this that's so until good. it happens. Oh, wow. Okay. And I maybe, like this a lot. Maybe for awkwardly hard ones, like the mini boss one, maybe they see it happen with no explanation. Like oh. an NPC in the area gets killed and then 
a mini boss is summoned, and now you have to deal with the thing he was fighting and the mini boss, and you don't know what just happened <laughs> until one of you guys died. Oh, wow. So I think that could be really interesting and cool, especially since you're twisting the death mechanic all the time to keep everybody on their toes. Oh, absolutely. That is so fascinating. I really like that idea, and I might steal it. <laughs> do it. Do if it, you're your okay with it, good. I'm going to steal it. Maybe I'll throw it at you later down the line. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> I, I gave him that one. So what's coming to my mind right now is, wouldn't it be shitty if you were in the Egyptian world, let's just say, you die and then... To get your soul back, you have to solve a puzzle within a time limit. Oh, <laughs> so, no. like, the combat's going with the rest of your friends, and the DM hands you a puzzle box, and he <laughs> yeah, turns an hourglass over, and he says, Solve it, bitch. <laughs> solve the riddle of life. And then you're like, Oh, no, I'm bad at puzzles in real life. <laughs> well, imagine how stressful. They'd be stressed out trying to figure yeah! it out. You know? <laughs> that, that'd be really funny. It would be fun. And how clutch would it be when they, if they get it? Like, they, if they just get barely it, yeah. in time. Like, holy God, nobody <laughs> died. That was hard as hell. <laughs> I would solve the puzzle and be like, done, and whip it off the room. <laughs> that'd be so funny, dude. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm thinking, is that uh, if I had, like, a Realm Walker game, and let's just say, like, Greek, Norse, Egyptian, Egyptian would suck. Egyptian would either be, like, you have to talk to Anubis, and you have to tell Anubis exactly why you deserve to live, and then he decides if he lets you go. Yeah. Like, that would be pretty cut and try. Uh, if you died in the Norse realms, I would have you go on a journey through the realms and, like, find a portal to escape because it's more, uh, I think it's more fanciful that way. And Norse legend has a lot of realm walking involved with yeah. it. What do you think would happen, actually, uh, what's your background on Greek myth? What do, what do you know about what happens when people die in Greek legend? I like Greek mythology a lot. Your soul can go to a lot of different places, but if it is going to the underworld, you have to be... Um, you have to pay to get through hell. Oh, yeah. So it's money. That's why a lot of when they die in real, the real world, people give them like gold and valuables to take on to the afterlife with them. Oh, so right. That's why robbing corpses is such a big deal. You're basically <laughs> dooming somebody to eternity. And uh, why poor families, when a loved one dies, they're trying so desperately to give them something valuable so they can see their loved ones again. Ah, so okay. you literally give the underworld your currency and hope it's good enough to pass <laughs> that's great i like it because then it's like you show up at hades doorstep and you're trying to talk and reason with this god hey i deserve to live again and you're just like here's my payment <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> pile of coins pushes here's over itself two gold coins you know or <laughs> gold tooth or something Please let me in. <laughs> oh, a greedy god of death, and then they're just like, what do you have to yeah. offer me? What could I possibly gain well, from letting you live again? And that's how you get cool uh, stories involved around that in Greek myth, because like, if you can outsmart it with no valuables. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of deal. Offer them a trade, and then you go on a whole epic quest, <laughs> you know, kind of deal. But yeah, I, you can do that with any mythos. Even like Egyptian, like we were talking about, they weigh your uh, your soul, and it's got to weigh more than a feather of good purity yeah, exactly. in order to get to the afterlife. So I don't know how you could incorporate that. 
I think it's fun because uh, with uh, beginning storytellers and game masters, I think that these are great tools to shape the way that players live and die in your game. Because if you have a soft death system, like uh, Anubis, what I was talking yeah. about, you have them get an easy out. You just be like, okay, give me a reason why you deserve to live. And maybe Anubis just gives you that single one-up. If you die again, then it's just not faded to be. But like that way you can have a forgiving game for people who are new to the setting that they can get back into it. If they really love their character and they don't want to leave it, don't tell them that you're going to save their ass, but you just have them travel to the netherworld, meet with the god of the dead, and then see what their reason is to keep on going. Yeah. I personally don't do that. I like to trash people. I like to kill people because it's super fun and rewarding when they do. <laughs> Hey man, you only make that mistake once. Well, you and other <laughs> experienced players out there, I know that your death scenes are going to be beautiful. Oh, uh, they'll be epic. You are going to <laughs> die in a blood shower and it will be fanciful. I will play like the most orchestral music <laughs> in the background. People will be singing in Latin as you fall to your knees, <laughs> like spear smote through your chest Dude. and I will cry. <laughs> He's still holding the line, not letting go of the enemy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His shield arm went weak. It was too heavy. His helmet clouded his vision. He yeah. dropped it. And at his last breath, he said, Spartans attack! Yeah. Cool shit like Throw that. Oh, the last spear, yeah. Uh, well, it'll be a fun time. I think it will be a wonderful time, and we'll have to resurrect this topic for another time. Thank you again for joining for another episode of High Nights, Cody. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'll see you guys next time. See you on the other side. <laughs>